Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Sarah, good evening to you. Hi, how are things? How are you keeping this week? Look, a bit of a change in the weather from when we spoke last week. We were sunning ourselves. Now, unfortunately, we're using it as an outdoor freezer. And I think there's Ireland now, it just has every season in one day, which is amazing because you get to experience <laughs> everything. Is that like... like where, else, where else do you get that? That's amazing. I can, see, I can see Discover Ireland using that line. You get to experience every season in just one day. Come to yeah. Ireland, get it's pissed on and, and get a suntan on the same day. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at some of these stories. A Corkman paid tribute to the nun who ensured he and his twin brother weren't separated during the adoption process. I'm assuming this is two mother and baby homes. Yeah, so this is a story written by Alison O'Reilly. She really taps into that, doesn't she? She so, does. She's a good friend of mine, Alison. Um, She's a lovely girl. She she sounds lovely. I hear so much about her. But this is a, a twin who was adopted from Cork, Spesborough, mother and baby home who said that he owed his life to a nun who cared for him and his twin brother when nobody else did. So Paul Lynch, who's 55 years old now, and his brother, Gerard, they were born in Sean Ross Abbey in Ross Cray, County Tipperary. That was back in 1968. And they remained there for 13 months. And during that time, the twins were kept together by Sister Norbert, She's a nun, she was a nun from the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary Order. And he was saying only for this nun, he would have been separated from his twin brother and life would have been very different. So Sister Norbert ensured the boys were not separated. And after they were transferred to the Besborough home, they were adopted seven months later by a married couple. However, uh, this was also the adoption broke the nun's heart. And she soon left her position as a child carer and moved to, to Britain. She really was like a like a mother to them. So right. speaking to the Irish examiner then, Paul Lynch said he wanted to publi- publicly thank Sister Norbert. Unfortunately, it was too late because it, it seems she's passed away in the meantime. But oh, right. he just wanted to let, to let the world know about this woman who saved their lives. So he said she was our mother. We had this angel minding us. Oh, that's and, that's a wonderful story because I was in a similar situation. My sister and myself were in a mother and baby home at the same time. I was adopted to one family; she was adopted to another. Now, mind you, there was a bit of a year a year gap between us, and it turned out when I eventually found out that I had a sister when I was fifty two years of age, and I met her, that we lived a mile away from each other. She lived in Rohini; I lived in Edenmore. We had the same friends. We went to the same places. Um, uh, she was going out with a guy in my class in school. We kind of knew each other from the Grove, which was a local dance. I kind of was familiar with her. And it turned out we actually knew each other. We could have ended up dating. And I would you believe I was talking to a guy who said he went to chat a gir- to a girl in a nightclub. And the deeper they got into the conversation, they realized they were brother and sister. But oh, basically no. it was chatting his sister up, I suppose, oh, <laughs> would you God. say? That's the only reason you'd go and talk to someone in a nightclub. You'd feel a bit weird um, after that, wouldn't you? you well, what, what, what he was saying was there was, there was something that that, that uh, told him to to go and speak to her. So maybe he did feel some yeah. sort of connection. Well, we, we, we did have a woman on the air go back about two weeks ago. And she ended up, she dated her brother for four months. 
and then realized it was her brother when her mother informed her that she was the uh, uh, the end result of a sperm donation. And so was the guy that she was dating, but from the same guy. He had seemingly donated to a thousand different woman, women in the city. And coincidentally, she happened to be dating one of those people who happened to be from the same sperm donor. So they had the same father. So she ended up having Would a break. You, uh, she broke up with him anyway. I hope she broke up yeah, with him. Yeah, but here's the sad part. She didn't tell him why. She said, I couldn't. She said, because he didn't know. So she said, I didn't want to break his heart. So she didn't, she didn't want to tell him that, listen, you, you know, your dad is actually not your dad. You know, you're, you're, unfortunately, it's a sperm donor. That's, that's understandable, isn't yeah. it? In, yeah. in a way, because it's, yeah, news like that could ruin your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. So, shocking. another story here. A lorry driver has been fined 500 quid following one of the most bizarre incidents of road rage Cork has ever seen. Yeah, he basically had a Bishop Brennan uh, kicking Bishop, Bishop Brennan up the arse moment, it sounds like to me. So, Judge Olin Kelleher convicted this this man. Um, he was fined four, 500 euro for an assault after he pleaded guilty to this offence. So what happened was um, the complainant um, presented at Slaumeyer Garda station and alleged that this assault, this assault had happened. And he said what happened was he had gotten into a verbal altercation with another unknown truck driver who had taken issue with the way he parked. And when he walked away, this unknown driver um, assaulted him by kicking him in the right buttock, which is kind of unusual, isn't it? Well, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't you, laugh. It's not nice to kick someone in the it buttock. It sounds kind of, kind of slapstick or something. It does, so doesn't it? I, have, said, I have the image of it now in my head. Yeah, yeah. So he said it came, to, it came as a shock to him that he'd behaved in this way. And... Uh, he 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 asked that the, the the this guy asked that his apology be conveyed, and he so what happened was he found that the injured party had parked in a particular way, and he asked him to move his lorry, and uh, he got a, a gesture which was unsatisfactory. <laughs> and, uh, I love the way they word uh, these things. He gave yeah, me. I love yeah. court as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's he's taken counselling for his anger management and. Uh, Basically, it looks like he's apologised for kicking the guy up the earth. Right. They don't use they don't use those words in, in court reports, no. but that they should, shouldn't like they? They should. they should. Yeah, they should say he kicked him in the arse. You know what I mean? That would be it'd be better in the left buttock. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're doing this. So that was Liam Heelan in the another cracker from Liam Heelan in the um, in the Echo. He's a great court reporter. All right. Also, several priceless artifacts recovered from the. Uh, now, you're going to have to say this one to me. The Lister Lusitania. Is that a boat or something? Anyway. You you remember the Lusitania. Oh, the, oh, it's, oh I do apologise. It's the Lusitania. Yeah, sorry, just the way it's written on my sheet here. I do apologise. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. It's, and I said liner. It says liner on my sheet. Who wrote this down? Anyway, it's, it's the really, liner. That, that's my, did, did, did I have a typo in there? It seems <laughs> like I'm setting, setting you up, but I'm not. That's probably an accidental. I was wondering what it, what it meant. Okay, so yes, of course, it's the liner, the Lusitania, um, of course, which has never been uh, put on public display before. Uh, where They were showcased at the museum in Cork in memory of the sinking of the ship and the loss of 1,198 lives. Yes, I'll, I'll shorten my... Sentences in the future. That yep. was a bit okay. of a long one for the you, liner. isn't it? The liner. Um, 
Eleanor. So this is Shada Reardon and the Irish Examiner. He was talking about last week there was several priceless artifacts recovered from that liner. Um, so that that um, that particular liner is resulted in the loss of that or that incident resulted in the loss of one thousand one hundred and ninety eight lives. It's a lot of lives lost, isn't it? I didn't mm. realise how many. So. What they what what was on display was there was Wedgwood dinner plates, many of which are in perfect condition still, and knives and forks, spoons, all torpedo proof, obviously. A deck chair and a bat. This this one this part was sad actually. There is a baptismal cup that belonged to a two-year-old passenger whose body was never found, and that was put on display and for for culture night, and. The, a lot of the artefacts were recovered in the 1980s by divers searching the wreck of the ship. That ship was torpedoed, obviously, and it, it happened about 200 kilometres off the old head of Kinsale. And they were given to um, the the owner of the of the liner. Would you call the owner? Or was it the guy who built the no, the um, The yeah. liner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. They're apparently priceless. These things. So the the silver baptismal cup that belonged to John Stevens, who was only two years old when he perished after the liner sank, and it was donated to muse to the museum by the boy's great grandnephew who lives in Canada. And a money belt also went on display. That belonged to Alice Middleton, who survived the sinking, as did. 760 others. She was originally from Liverpool, but later went to America, and her relatives living in America donated it to them. So the museum was showing these as this one-off event, mm. but it's planning to expand its facilities to provide state-of-the-art viewing cabinets to put them on permanent display. That would be that would be nice, wouldn't it? I'd, it would, yeah. Um, and for that, those who don't nice know, um, yeah, for those not familiar with the Lusitania. It really looked like Titanic, except I think it had four chimneys instead of three. Um, I think it was actually a bigger ship, and it was also built by the same company. Well, actually, it was White Star that built Titanic. Cunard Lines, I think, were the ones that built the Lusitania. And um, because I, I, how I know all that is my uncle used to work on the Cunard Lines, um, and he would have been working there in the 1940s or 50s. He worked on the Cunard Lines and the Queen Mary. So, But it, it does look like the Titanic, but it just isn't the Titanic, unfortunately. It's a bit, I think it was actually bigger than the Titanic, was it? It's, God, I wouldn't know. I, mm. I was what I was going to what I was going to ask you is: Is it true that the captain of the liner was warned about the uh, about being torpedoed, but just ignored the warning? Did you ever okay, hear that? I heard. I did hear that. Sorry, now I think his name was uh, William Thomas, Captain William Thomas. I'm trying to remember the, who was the captain of the Titanic again. I'm trying to remember his name. It's gone out of my head. But yeah, there was a story that uh, he was warned, and there was also a story that it was a false flag. But that's not true. Um, can I just point out false flag meaning it didn't actually happen? It was some sort of propaganda. Um, but it's similar to the, the fact that they were warned the same. They said they were warned in Titanic that there was icebergs in the sea and they should have avoided them. You know. So anyway, in those days, I suppose technology wouldn't have been as as good as it is today. You know, with early warning systems and all that kind of carry on. Anyway, final story. Uh, a blind man living in Cork spoke out about the lack of offers of help that he gets as he goes about his day-to-day -day business in the city. Now, I'm a little bit curious about this one because 
I remember years ago trying to help a blind person. They were standing at the side of the street. Well, I could see them with their stick and they were coming up to the set of traffic lights, you know. And as I did, I walked over and maybe it was my own fault in the way I approached the situation. But I kind of just linked his arm and I said, would you like me to give you a hand across the road? And he kind of pushed me away and he kind of went, it's okay. I can do it on my own. And I went, okay, sorry, I was just trying to help. Now, maybe I shouldn't have linked his arm first. Maybe that was the wrong approach, but it was just the way I did it at the time. Do you know what I mean? That was the first thing I said as well, actually. That's probably why um, people are hesitant. And this is Robert uh, Faree, our mutual friend, actually, the blind artist. You had him on the show before, and I've mentioned him a few times. Yeah. Um, it was him who made that, that point, and... Uh, that's why he's offered a few tips for people um, if they're thinking of uh, approaching a blind uh, person on the street and asking them if they've... If, or the same if as you're approaching help. somebody in a wheelchair, maybe, who's at the side of the road and they may need a bit of assistance. You know, you always feel like you might be saying, you might be insulting them. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard to find that balance, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because I'm probably one of those people, but I think what got to, to, to poor Rob, he was telling me, and he's he's very um, he's great to laugh at himself, but he uh, he's making a joke out of it really. When the I don't know what you, what you call it, you know those um that kind of electronic system that they have that you you, you can you, you can feel the vibrations and you know if the it's if the traffic light is green or red. Oh right, I so, didn't know that existed, but they, yeah, yeah, I imagine that's easy enough technology nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, but it was broken and. He couldn't. It, it, it was still telling him that it was red. So I think he was there standing at the traffic light for about uh, God no, for God knows how long. Um, and he said that he would have loved to someone just, just come along, come yeah. up to him and say, "Do you, do you know the light is um, is green?" Do they not all do now? the beeping thing now? Do you know that they go beep 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 beep? Well, beep. that's that's what was broken. So they oh, have okay. the beeping thing and they have the vibration thing as well. I suppose for people. Yeah. Um. Who 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 might have other disabilities or right. Um. So so that's what that's what he was that he was getting at. Don't be afraid to approach someone and yeah. the the linking thing. I wonder when you approached that guy and asked him did he did he need help? I sound like a right know it all. There, I don't mean to sound like a know it all. Did did you link him or did you kind of guide him? Did you just take his arm and let him walk because that was. That was one of that was something Rob taught me actually is that when you're linking somebody, not to kind of pull them along or guide no, them. You know, that what you're I did kind of was, following their lead. Yeah, I, I walked up see it's when I'm when I'm looking then, when I'm thinking of it in hindsight, I probably sounded like a weirdo. But I walked up behind him, put my arm in, you know, between his elbow and his body and kinda of linked him a little bit and I said, Would you like me to give you a hand? So as I did it. I probably should have said, excuse me, would you like me to give you a hand before I linked him? Maybe I gave him a bit of a fright. But either way, he was really rude to me. You know? Yeah, he, he, I, I, I did see uh, a woman there one day and somebody bumped into her and she, she shouted at her. But I think she just got such a fright, you know, but it's. Yeah. It's 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 the the as in the the blind woman got a fright when the person. I can't imagine. Into I, and I spoke to Robert about it that night. We were talking about his blindness the, the night I spoke to him, and I but I just can't imagine what it'd be like. I suppose because and and Robert of course had his eyesight for many years before he went blind, but but if I suppose if you're born blind, it's different because 
you learn to deal with it from the day you're born. But if you become blind, I think you feel like you're missing out on something. That's that's true. And that's what a lot of people with disabilities, I speak to say anyway, that it it, it is, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're going into this unknown territory, aren't mm-hmm. you? And yeah. It, it's a lot. It's 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 a lot to take in. Um, I I think I I think Rob is a is a great example to us all, really, isn't he? With yeah. everything that he's achieved. Absolutely. Imagine being an artist, you know, and and some of his photographs or his pictures are wonderful. They really are wonderful, and he can see very little. It's amazing how he does it. Anyway, listen, it's been lovely talking to you again, Sarah. Thank you very much indeed, and we shall talk to you again next Monday night. Until then, have a wonderful week. Okay, thank you. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Oh, 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 oh.